0: Good evening Blue Jays fans. We are back for another episode with special guest tonight Craig Borden. Before we tee him up, how are things down in Rochester?
1: Snowy, but okay. And I'll let you do your little joke that you were planning on doing. So bring our bring our buddy <laughs> in here.
0: <laughs> uh Adam, uh is this going to be like one of the few times you're talking about baseball? I only see basketball on your uh, on your podcast, man. What's going on? <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm glad that I'm able to do this. This is going to be sort of therapeutic for me. Um, and second of all, yeah, it's, we've, we, uh, we made the decision, uh, myself and Overtime Media made the decision that, uh, Southend 6 is going to be an exclusively, uh, a Raptors podcast now. But, uh, that doesn't mean that I can't start another podcast dedicated to the Blue Jays. So that's still in the works. But as for now, Southview 6 is
0: just a Raptors uh, avenue. A little, uh a little weak, weak nudge, nudge. There could be some blue jeans yeah, that come coming our way. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> you never know. That's awesome, though, man. Your uh, Raptors podcast has really taken off. Obviously, the NBA title helps that. How are things going on that end in terms of viewerships uh, and 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 listens on your Raptors stuff? Oh, Raptors I'm always. Raptors. There's a huge spike when it comes to
2: Raptors content, and uh, you know, obviously because the championship helped. But uh, I also think that you know the nba as a whole is uh is gaining a lot of interest is gaining a lot of popularity um more even you know to the point where i think that and this may be a little controversial i think that the nba is poised to be the number one sport in north america uh exceeding american football i really do believe that's going to happen
0: yeah, man, it's uh, it, it picked up all around North America, Canada, especially with the NBA title. So well done on that, man. Great news. I remember Thank Greg you. was telling me about that earlier today, and uh, uh, I know you're a big Raptors guy. So that just means you got to come up to Toronto soon and catch a game in person. <laughs> I'm
1: in. I'm in. Is it in the budget? <laughs> As of right now, it's not. You know, Christmas is, uh, you know, you know, Craig, I have a kid,
2: I have the spoiler for Christmas. So, you oh, know.
1: exactly. Uh, yeah. Especially your first one, buddy. Yeah. Congratulations. I'm hoping it's a yeah. good time. That's right. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Well, so, gentlemen, before we get into our collective bitching about uh, the Blue Jays <laughs> offseason, why don't we start off with something non-baseball related and something fun. Both of our football teams quenched playoff spots uh, this past weekend. How the hell are you boys feeling about the Buffalo Bills not Backing into a playoff spot in the biggest Andy Dalton fluke of all time, and actually getting in there because you're legit.
1: <laughs> well, with all the snow that Adam and I have been talking about that we got down here in the, in the U S., it almost feels like hell froze over. A ten and three or a ten uh, win season. What the hell, Adam?
0: <laughs> yeah, look, look. It's, the
2: Bills are legit. That defense is legit, and Josh Allen. Although he's not the best quarterback, you know, in his class, maybe. Um, he's definitely proven that he he can improve game after game. I love his poise. I love his confidence. I think this Bills team is going to be special. I really do.
1: Either way it's been fun to watch okay. Adam for the first time in a long time yeah. and the fact that you got somebody like Josh Allen is the cornerstone of this franchise going forward and already this good. This is what the hopefully <laughs> that this collective bitching from tonight's episode, fellas, that the Blue Jays fans hopefully have to look forward to is what we got as Bills fans. <laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt, boys. I'm happy
0: for you guys. You guys are dedicated Bills fans, but we are also dedicated Blue Jays fans, and right now that feels a little bit unfortunate, does it? with how this offseason has gone. Today, the signing of Tanner Roark was made official. Craig, you and I went through Tanner Roark in depth last week, so let's tee this up one. For our guest, Adam, vent or kind of talk us into being okay with the signing or say whatever the hell you want because uh, I want this to be therapeutic for you. It's
2: definitely okay. Like, I don't necessarily have a problem with the signing. I don't think that it's a terrible signing, but you know, I guess when it came to what I had mentally, you know, maybe this is my own ignorance or my own error in judgment, what I thought was in store for the Blue Jays off season, um, I think a Tanner Roark would have been something like towards the end of it, towards the backbone, towards like, oh, that's a that's a nice addition on top of everything else that we've had. That's that's certainly not the case, right? And you know, spending like it's a twenty four million dollar deal, it's, it's two years, whatever. Like that's that's cool, um, but it I was expecting more. And so far, this is the highlight of the off season. So far, this is like the biggest pickup that the Blue Jays have made. And when you examine how this team finished last year and you examine the, the blatant holes that need to be filled, especially in the, in the rotation aspect, um, this is sort of just okay. Like, it's a nice C-plus signing, but this team needs more than this in order to compete in the East. And I, that is, of course, if they're trying to compete in the East.
1: You are trying. Right? Oh, <laughs> so but it's one of those things that I, I i we know we didn't have the pitching depth right so this is going to be one of those signings that just is going to be just enough i think the, my biggest problem with this whole thing is brendan and i thought of this after our show last year this just screams ted Lilly and miguel bautista to me <laughs> and i don't know if it's just me or not but it's like okay we're gonna get That pitcher, and we're going to get another guy that's mediocrely right around the same ballpark. And we might have already had that in Matt Shoemaker. I agree that Matt Shoemaker has a higher ceiling with that. If he can stay healthy is the key for what we saw what he can do last season to begin it untouchable at points. Tanner Roark isn't that guy that's going to be untouchable for months. So it's a nice depth piece, but I wonder how much of this is going to be somebody eventually taking the reins from Tanner Roark. Tanner Roark's hard contact, gentlemen, has gone up each of the last few seasons,
0: and his ground ball rate has gone down. Doesn't that kind of remind you of Jaime Garcia? When they signed Jaime mm. Garcia, a guy kind of on the last little bit, well, I wouldn't say Roark's on the last legs like, of his career, but a guy who's getting up there in age, <laughs> Roark's 33. He's the old elder statesman in the room. And I don't know, guys. Is there any hope with those disturbing trends pitching in the American League East that this signing just won't explode in their face like it did with Jaime Garcia, because as of right now, it doesn't make any sense because they're expecting him to be a number two. That's where he's listed on this rotation depth chart. Does this signing even make any sense as currently constructed? Because, Craig, why wouldn't you try to give a spot to Anthony K. or to TJ Zoick or to Jacob Wegespack, who honestly... If they were given a fair shot in this rotation to start the year, it would not at all surprise me that one of those guys who could have had the spot would have ended up having a better season than Tanner Roark.
1: Yeah. Um, I think it's funny too that you said elder statesman when technically the most tenured Blue Jay right now is Anthony Alford and he's played in what, 15, 20 games. (laughs) So the fact that um, you're throwing Roark in with all these kids and I think what they're hoping is that Roark is going to be that steady arm in the midst of all these kids maybe shuffling around spots in the rotation. I don't think, regardless of how many arms we have this year, that we're going to have the debacle that we had this past season with so many starters, including Luke Maley pitching. <laughs> but I just don't think that that's going to happen. But knowing that the fact that you got somebody like Tanner Roark that could easily eat up 150, 180 innings with a possible revolving door, it raises that floor up, and I think that's what every Blue Jay fan is sick of fucking hearing. Yes, I'm going there. <laughs> this whole raising of the floor bullshit. We want to break the damn ceiling. And when there's some other things going on in the American League East, I don't think you automatically catch the Yankees anytime, but there's some other teams that are vulnerable or right on par with us for those second wild card spots. Maybe it's just me. Adam. Well,
2: uh, all right, so is, is this is this the appropriate time to start bitching? Like, I, I don't know like, when I'm supposed yeah, to be like, yeah, a yeah, here. here. <laughs> um, okay. Well, look, all right, so first of all, in, in regards to what you said about Roark being the number two, I think he slated as the number one. Like, when you look at the, the rotation right now, I'm thinking Roark, Anderson, Shoemaker, Barucki, and Thornton. Um, and it doesn't really matter if it's Anderson one or Roark one. I don't think Shoemaker is going to be the one. Um, and if that's the case, then, again, this doesn't, this doesn't scream anything noteworthy. This doesn't scream anything that's going to solidify anything in the AL East. And, you know, Craig, you mentioned the Yankees. No, we're not going to catch up to the Yankees. We're not going to be able to compete with the Yankees. But the point is is to try to win, right? It, it, it's, it's just like kind of like fantasy football, right? It's, you're always trying to win the championship. You're always trying to win the bowl. And if you're trying to win the bowl, by default, you're trying to finish like, as high as possible. So if we think, if, if we're analyzing the AL East and we look at the vulnerability that the Red Sox are facing, and we, we know the Orioles are going to be you know, trash, and we know the Rays are always like, kind of this toss-up team. It, it's never consistent in, in their aspirations to win. So Yankees are the top dog. If we're considering them to be the one that's going to run away with the East, well, why not try to do as best we can and try to go for a wild card? Why are we not trying? Like, why are we not trying as best as possible to try to win this? And we're not. Like, that's, that's what pisses me off about this whole ordeal, is that we were sold the bill of goods, and now we have the, the flexibility in the payroll to actually make a dent, and we're not even doing it because they're so risk adverse. They're so scared of making a bad signing when chances are they're not even going to be here for later on in that contract. So why does it matter? Just make the move. This is what pisses me off about this organization
1: right now. Well, that in effect, the, fact here's the White Sox are throwing freaking money at places. What? <laughs> Come on. Mm-hmm. I would say the White Sox are even a year behind where we're at.
0: But so, here's a question for the both of you Would it make you feel better if the Blue Jays made a signing of Hanjin Ryu, somebody that is that high of a ceiling guy, and it completely blows up in their face? Would that make you guys feel better? When would it blow up in our face? This year? It could at any time. I think that's kind of the scary thing about signing Hanjin Ryu, even though I'm 1,000% on board with that. Who knows? He, since 2015, 2016, has had one fully healthy season. So let's just say it could happen at any time. He's kind of like a ticking time bomb.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, that, that just shows that you're trying. Like, right now, they're, I'd rather them try and fail than sit on their hands because they're afraid to fail. Like, they're trying not to lose they're not trying to win. And to me, like that is not the proper way to run an organization. You have to try to win, not be afraid to take risks, and therefore be afraid to lose. Just take a risk. This, this front office has yet to take a risk. The biggest risk they have taken was, I don't know, Morales, like that's the biggest <laughs> risk they've taken. What have they done? <laughs>
1: Oh, you might have nailed that one with about the biggest risk because not only was he, you know, a risk, he was also hefty.
2: <laughs> but they got out of it, though, right? Like they they found a way out of that. So what's to say that they can't find a way out of another risk later on?
1: Well, that and the fact that like they just haven't signed anybody big long term. Your biggest contract for anybody in this whole tenure of everything is what Randall Grichik right now.
0: Yeah, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) That's the longest
1: contract that they've turned around and signed with any major league player. It's kind of ridiculous to the point. I agree that you could have a complete blow up with Hyojin Ryu, but I don't think it's completely going to happen this year if it's going to happen at all. And this year might be your opportunity window for a random, you know, raise kind of like level season, or you sneak into the playoffs and get a ticket to the dance and you never know what the hell could happen. So. If that's the, what you're shooting for, I agree that the with what Adam was saying 110%, this trying not to lose thing needs to stop and you need to see something and if it is a signing at least it's just money. It's not like you traded a bunch of prospects away and try, and threw a bunch of money at it. Right,
0: right, right. It's crazy. It's crazy, guys. I think we're all, I think everybody that we all follow on Blue Jays Twitter is at the point of wanting to pull their hair out. I know I am I know a lot of my buddies over here in Toronto are as well. Uh, Craig, you and I are trying to remain positive, but it's kind of getting hard not to. (laughs) But guys, kind of sticking along the theme of pitching, let's transition to the signing they made yesterday out of Japan. They signed Shun or Shun. I can't remember exactly how to pronounce the first name. Yamaguchi. Interesting addition because, I don't know, guys, part of me is thinking that... (coughs) There might be a little bit more upside here than Tanner Roark, at significantly cheaper uh, dollar figure. Craig, am I crazy saying that? I put that on Twitter and people kind of agreed with what I had to say.
1: I I honestly think it's a low-risk situation, especially with the money they have involved. I honestly don't see him having an issue translating into the major leagues because the league he played in was more or less AAA baseball in Japan. It's kind of a known fact that, that that's kind of about where that skill level of that Japan baseball league falls. So, the fact that he was racking up insane strikeout numbers and was <laughs> looking really, really good doing it. Um, the fact that he is even used as that swing person in Japan. I really think that the Blue Jays are going to use him very similar to the role that he used and he was running in Japan. This is a guy that, guys, he had 112 saves on his resume from the Japan League. And maybe that's where he eventually fits in but in a year right now where you're just kind of experimenting with pitching with after you know the guys we've been talking about why not just throw him in the rotation and see what you get worst case scenario you push him back to the pen and then bring one of the kids up maybe that's when Nate Pearson shines right. out you know something like that but i think it's a great non-risk move and the fact that we're not giving up anything but money guys is that same situation it's not a ton of money
2: does this um Raise any eyebrows to you that's a possibility? I know this has been floated around, you know, since the trade deadline, but um, does this raise any eyebrows to you guys about the possibility of moving on from Giles?
1: A little bit, maybe. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. at least makes it easier, I right?
0: I will, right? Go because, yeah, go ahead.
2: No, I was going to say, like, you, you, Craig, you mentioned the, you know, the saves and you mentioned that he could be adequate coming out of the pen so like if he if he's got a strong enough arm and they're willing to move on from ken giles like i know the value isn't as high as it would have been last season but if they can get something in return for him uh, that can solidify maybe some outfield position um that might be advantageous for him
0: it's interesting I think very ken interesting giles thing
1: how much i have you guys think he has to show up the spring giles, and
0: run no with it. It. Wow, we both kind of talked over Sorry, each other Lee. there. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have to edit that out, Craig. <laughs> that was messy. Go ahead, buddy. Anyhow, I was going to ask, is it kind of strange to you guys that you haven't heard a single Ken Giles rumor this entire season because his name hasn't been floated anywhere? But that point you make, Adam, isn't far-fetched in my mind. The fact that this guy can come out of the bullpen and throw that nasty splitter and get outs quite effectively, you never know.
1: Right, right. Do you guys wonder if he has to show up this spring to show that he actually has closer stuff still to have any value? Or is he still just as valuable as he was last season?
2: Uh, I think the fact that he's coming off an injury or, like, he he has injury concerns, he kind of has to to at least broadcast that he can uh, still hang a little bit. I mean, like, there's always going to be a recency bias, so you want to
0: sell as high as possible, I would think. Good deal. Well, I think that's about all we can say about Sean Yamaguchi. There isn't uh, a <laughs> whole lot that is known on him, to be completely honest. Other than the nice little piece that Chad put together on thirty-two-year-old, uh, probably going to be turning thirty-three next season. Uh, led uh, Japan Central League with one hundred and eighty-eight strikeouts and one hundred and seventy innings, and wins with fifteen. Doesn't give a lot. Uh, doesn't give up home runs, which is a nice little thing to add. But, gentlemen, I'm not sure if you saw this one or not, but kind of in the same vein how it became public knowledge that Shun Yamaguchi was signing with the Blue Jays, similar kind of report came out that they're looking at reliever Rafael Dolis, or Dolis, or however how you pronounce that name. Had a bit of a cup of coffee in the major leagues with the Chicago Cubs. Didn't really get a long, extended look. But thank you to a guy I follow on Twitter, Kodiak Roland, or Kyle is his name. Uh, the last four seasons with the Hanson Tigers, 206 innings pitched, just a 7.3% base on ball and a 27.1% K-strikeouts uh, and 249 ERA to six home runs allowed. Did you guys see this at all? Is this something that could potentially work out really well? What do you guys think of this? Uh, jump into the Japanese uh, free agent pool. Craig, I'll see up with
1: you. If it's good, talented baseball players, Brendan, I don't care who the hell or where the hell they come from. <laughs> this is one of those things if we're trying to bolster the uh, bullpen up, regardless of what happens with Ken Giles, bring them on. If they got a live arm, this is what it should be. We shouldn't be worrying about pushing our young, talented starters back into bullpen roles. Come this spring, it should be just let's have some guys ready to run out in the bullpen and hope they stick.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree that you know depth is always a good thing, and especially if it's coming on the cheap. And like I know that kind of contradicts what I ranted on a couple of minutes ago when it came to my frustrations with this organization. But yeah, you know, when it comes to bullpen signing, they're always a dime a dozen. Like it's very hard to be consistently good year after year as a bullpen guy. It doesn't normally last. So. If you're constantly putting in fresh arms and constantly putting in fresh bodies into there, just to, like, spice it up a little bit, I see no uh, disadvantage when it comes to that aspect.
1: So before we wrap on that whole thing, Brennan, i got to mention that our friend Jason Lee actually scooped Ken Rosenthal before he actually was able to put out the Yamaguchi. <laughs> yeah, he didn't get credit. What the hell? <laughs> finding that wonderful Japanese article on Twitter or whatever he found. I don't know how he found that, but good job, Jason. <laughs> yeah, well
0: done. Thank you. Frequent uh, guest to both of our uh, shows. <laughs> Guys, I want to wrap things up on pitching. Honestly, there hasn't been a whole lot of crazy news surrounding the Blue Jays lately, uh, but the question of Hunjin Rio keeps on coming up. Let's go back there. Uh, is this going to happen or not? They continue to be connected with them. There was the report yesterday, I believe, that uh, Mark Shapiro or somebody had said that, yes, they're still on on him, but the belief in the organization is that he just isn't going to sign here. Uh, give me your predictions in terms of do you think Hunjin Reeve will come here because at first I was optimistic but now I'm getting more and more pessimistic as the hours and days go by without him signing a contract here. Uh, Craig or Adam, whoever wants to go first. Go ahead, Adam. Uh, um,
2: yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think the... uh the the blurb or the tweet that you're referring to was uh, Gregor Chisholm. He he mentioned that like they were sort of lukewarm on it now because they're not willing to to spend what is quote unquote necessary to sign him. I think he's looking for a four year eighty million dollar deal, which is you know twenty million dollars per, per year. Um, I don't necessarily think that is a bad deal. I know it sounds high. I know it sounds like a lot of money to put out to a pitcher that's you know quote unquote aging here, but. At the same time, uh, I, I just don't see this front office as we've been you know discussing being aggressive enough to you know want to make a signing like that i I, I just don't see that in their arsenal um, and it disappoints me because you know they you mentioned the the Shapiro um, yeah, conversation I think with with Tim and Sid yesterday. I think it was yesterday um, where he was discussing that you know he didn't really realize it was going to be. And, and I'm paraphrasing here. He didn't realize it, it was going to be this expensive or this, you know, aggressive or this uh, tumultuous in, in the, the free agent signing aspect. Well, buddy, what did you expect? Like, I, I don't know what you thought was going to happen, but not every single general manager or president thinks the way you do. Okay. Like they're going to go out and try to get their guys. And if it means spending a little extra money and putting on a little bit of extra term, they're going to do it. Like you seem to be the only one that's, uh, you know, blind to this so that being said I just don't see them being aggressive enough and I do think that they're going to look at other aspects he mentioned that he's going to look in the trade aspect I don't see that happening but in terms of the Ryu signing I just don't see it at all I wouldn't get my hopes up as a Blue Jays fan
1: Greg? My hopes is that if they aren't going to go full-on after Ryu, it's because the Angels outbid us, which apparently is the quote-unquote story, and I could see, at least if it came down to straight dollar value being an exact match, that he would probably want to stay in L.A. That's where he's been playing most of his yeah. career. It makes sense for his uh, you know personal life going back home. It's a win-win for him. I get that no nope. But if it's literally over like a million dollars or something like that, or it is at that $80, $81 million mark for four years, what do they got to lose right now is my biggest worry on this. We have no money committed. Is it, <laughs> We were paying Troy Tulewinski more money right now than we are paying the rest of our payroll. So why yep. not just toss it at Ryu and hope that you get something? Worst case scenario, he is going to be a hell of a veteran that has been on countless playoff teams with the Dodgers now that is going to teach our young pitchers what the hell to do. And I think he's going to be salvageable for the next three years easy. So if you have to give them that four years, whatever, just do it, get it over with. And if they don't get it over with, they damn well better be finding somebody else to anchor this staff. It is too young and there's too much talent on this team to miss And Brendan, we were talking about this before the show and I wonder how much of this is playing into some of their stuff. ESPN had an article today that was the best and worst contract signings by every major league team over the past decade. We know where the Toronto Blue Jays' current brass came from in Cleveland. And right before they left C- Cleveland, boy, did they have a couple stinkers on some really old players in Nick Swisher and Michael Bourne after career years. And those were huge contracts in the same ballpark for three, three, four-year-old players at the time they signed their their stuff. I wonder how much of that's just going. You know what? We're not doing that again.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: it very well could. It very well
1: could. It's
0: very interesting because one final thing on how the pitching markets played out, gentlemen. Before we move on, if the Blue Jays do get outbid by Hunjin Ryu and it's something like $25 million per year or anything like that, may end up missing out on them. Or even if it's like 22 even if it's just a straight match of 20 and you didn't want to go that extra few million dollars or give them that additional year's term, how can you guys feel comfortable with this front office going around and constantly tooting their horn that they have so much financial flexibility when you got outbid for Josh Lindblom? after you said you made a significant offer, or on Kyle Gibson, <laughs> when Charlie Montoya in an interview at the Winter Meeting said, yep, I was there, I was there for the offer to Kyle Gibson, it was a very good offer. But clearly it wasn't, because it was a three year deal for $10 million credit, to a total $30 million. So if you get outbid again on Hunjin Ryu, and you don't end up taking on a bad contract, like a David Price, or anybody else out there, like a team that wants to set some salary, how can we have faith that they're actually going to make the big move when it's time to make the big move, Craig?
1: We're not, and I'm pretty much sure that I'm just going to say their four years in office are up, just like somebody else's is about to be, probably. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Look, I, I don't, so. I don't have any confidence in them. Like I, I, I tweeted about this, you know, ad nauseum. I will give them all the credit in the world for building a solid organization, you know, in terms of a farm system and all the way up. They are really good at being stubborn of not trading away young talent. They're really good at that. They're really good at stockpiling talent and seeing which cream rises to the top. They're really good at that. They're awful when it comes to making big league signings. They are awful when it comes to making impact trading. I have no confidence whatsoever in their ability. None. None whatsoever. And this is why I think, like, Craig, you're right. I think think this is it. I think they've offered everything they could. They've done everything they possibly could for this organization, and they are at the point that they cannot make them better. They can't because they are so unwilling to. They are so stubborn to this plan. They are so stubborn to their guns that they will not stray outside of it, and that is why this team will never improve in terms of trying to make a playoff push, a big playoff push. You have to take risks, and they are unwilling to do that.
1: Show me the money. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> a very good way of putting it.
0: And you know what? That uh, that came across as uh, it seems like it was good for you, Adam. Get that frustration <laughs> out of your system. It seemed rather therapeutic. So, Craig, we've had our goal of this episode is uh, letting Adam vent on his baseball stuff. Yeah, the monkey is now off your back. Goose throb. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Uh, well, gentlemen. There are still some holes in this team. Uh, obviously, pitching is the biggest one, and I'm going to exclude the bullpen because this team actually, in terms of some signings, they've nailed late in the season, uh, off-season bullpen signings, or guys who get cut at the end of spring training, like Daniel Hudson uh, a season ago. Um, where are you guys seeing uh, needs for improvement on the position player side of things? Because right now, if you go to the Blue Jays' depth charts, on BlueJays.com. They don't have a DH listed. Uh, Rowdy Tulez, I'm still not sold on him at first base, so that would probably be my answer. Uh, But I'm going to let you guys go. Where would you like to see them make an upgrade on the position player side of things? Because there are some holes still uh, on the offense side of things. Adam, you go first.
2: Are we still sold on the outfield yet? Because I'm not quite there. Um, the only one that I'm confident in like throughout is Gurriel and left. Other than that, like to me, center and right is still kind of fishy. Like I'm I'm not there yet in terms of my comfort. When it comes to third, short, and second, I think that's pretty solid. Even catcher is solid. Um, you mentioned first base and DH. I think that's just something you, you can figure out um, later on in the offseason. I'm not too concerned there. But the outfield was definitely something of a concern last year, so that is really, outside of pitching, My I guess my number two priority for them to sort of clean up.
1: I'm going to go on and just uh, recycle part of that conversation for you <laughs> for a second. <laughs> Who would have thought we would have been talking about Loris Gurriel Jr. as our only solid outfielder a year ago? <laughs> just saying. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so... But I, I agree with him 100%. That is my one confidence. He was so athletic-looking in left field, and you know he's been crushing it all, all offseason, working out knowing that he's going to be probably the everyday left fielder for this team going forward. Now you got Bo and Biggio up the middle. There's nothing going to be separating that middle of the lo- middle of the uh, infield anymore. Those two guys are going to stay. We saw what Bichette and Biggio can do. So where does Loris Gurriel Jr. go? We know his bat, guys, is going to carry one way or the other. I really think that if you were just yeah. going to throw his bat in the lineup any, way, any day, he's still going to become a way above replacement level player because I think his bat is just going to outspeak his defense one way or the other. But the fact that he has shown me something really special in left field brewing, I think that's going to be something solid. Randall Gritchick, okay, guys, you got you got me Kevin Pilar 2.0. You know, he, he strikes out a lot just yep. like he does. The defense pretty much is par on point. The only difference is the fact that, you know, Gritchick actually does drive in runs and doesn't just choke with runners in scoring position. That's about the real difference. But, guys, center field is a goddamn freaking black hole right now. And with all these guys that are floating around on the free agent market and you got people like, quote-unquote, Mookie Betts out on the freaking trading block. I know the Red Sox are never going to give us freaking Mookie Betts in their own division, but, guys, there's guys like that available. How are we not trading some of the Alejandro Kirks and whatnot of the world for that spot that we know we need i would love to see anthony alford out there every day as much as anybody else but guys in a season where we know we're going to have solid offense you could have a good anchor in that spot needed
0: when's the trade for starling Marte come because like <laughs> honestly the reported asking price as soon as ben Charrington took over was a young controllable catcher we just have tons of that. Just line them all up and be like, Ben, take one of these guys. We'll take Starly Marte off your hands. And that yeah. it would be a significant upgrade over what they have. But, Craig, I like how you brought up that center field is a bit of a black hole because I'm not so sold myself on Teoscar Hernandez as the full-time guy there. Gentlemen, what do you feel the long-term future or even short-term future of Teoscar Hernandez is with this team? Because this guy just goes through crazy-ass hot streaks where he looks like he's fulfilling his potential and the guy who we were all excited about getting from the Houston Astros and then there's just other months where he just looks god-awful where he can't hit a damn baseball and he looks like he's scared of crashing with his own players in the outfield or crashing into the wall uh Adam what do you feel uh is going to be Teoscar Hernandez's role in 2020 and is this going to be a long-term thing with him all right
2: like you mentioned and This may sound crazy coming off the bat. I get the impulse, but, like, just hear it out. Um, He gets really swing-happy at the plate. Like, a lot of things – his biggest problem is plate discipline, Um, and I do think that does tend to bleed over into the outfield performance, and I don't necessarily think that he's an adequate center fielder. I I don't even think that's, like, his long-term best position. You mentioned that there's a void in DH – I don't mind Teoscar Hernandez being the DH, the facto DH, to start the season to see if that we can just have him focus on hitting because that's obviously the area in which he flourishes in.
1: I'd love that. Craig? Totally sold on that idea, especially if they don't bring back yeah. and give me a worthy full-on DH, bringing back Edwin Encarnacion or giving somebody to... You know, balance that load with Rowdy Teles while he really maybe finds his game fully at the major league level. We've seen what he can do at the minor league le- level, guys, but that hasn't fully transferred yet. And I wonder how much that we can use that DH spot to kind of leverage him in that. And I wonder if those extra bats actually keep him more consistent and not have to worry about him in the field, just like Teoscar Hernandez. I would love to see what he can do just focusing on, you know, running out there and just crushing baseballs every day. I almost wonder how much he could be like a, you no, know, I doubt he'll be this level, but a Harold Baines level player because, you know, he's a new Hall of Famer, mm. which we already went yeah. off on on a whole nother show. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that was a guy that was perfect example. We knew we could hit. Couldn't really find a place for him on the diamond, and once he finally really cemented himself as a DH, he became a great hitter, all round hitter. Maybe that's the difference where he can focus on Hitting some more baseballs in fair territory rather than watch him go in the, or swing by 10 feet and miss them and watch him go into the catcher's <laughs> mitt. I'd
0: love to give it a try. I definitely think it's worthy of putting him in that DH spot. And then that opens up center field or right field to get an extended look at an Anthony Alford or Jonathan Davis or a Derek Fisher. There's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to the outfield, and I think we're all in agreement that, yeah, Richard's just kind of there because they, ex- uh, they signed him to that contract extension, but Lourdes is really the one lock for sure, for sure thing, yes, that you know yes. you're going to get some production out of. So it'll be interesting to see how they address the outfield and just the entirety of the position player market as the offseason continues to roll along. Gentlemen, I got one more thing here before we start to wrap things up tonight. With the signing of Tanner Roark, yes, we're going back to the pitching side of things. That pushes people <laughs> down uh, in the rotation to have three veterans in there, and you got two open spots for what's now listed on the depth chart as five guys. You got Trent Thornton, Ryan Barucki, Anthony Kaye, Jacob Wagespack, and TJ Zoic. Go around the table and give me the two guys that you feel, if things stay the way they are, should break camp in those final two spots. Craig, I'll start
1: with you. I'm just going to say, because I love our buddy Bobby, um, give me Anthony K. I want to see the hefty lefty in the rotation. <laughs> 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 I, it's something about having him and Barucki in the rotation to me, having that back-and-forth, righty-lefty combination, I really like, especially when we're more or less going to be tossing the same level of pitchers out there every day. It'd be nice to watch some major league hitters at least get that change of pace by watching them literally have to worry about watching the arm angle change. So at least it might play up their stuff a little bit. And then the fact that I really do not see any reason in the world why Trent Thornton should not be in this rotation after last season, especially after his last five starts. That, that change up and everything, guys, was clicking 10 20 and probably, other than the fact that he, you know, obviously wasn't meant to be on the team, most improved player at the Major League level probably last season. Adam?
2: Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, I, I think Anthony Case, just for the mere fact that they traded for him, I think that he's going to definitely uh, solidify a spot. But I do, I don't know, like, Barucki and Thorin, although I did like Thorin, I, I just don't know that they're solidified in that. For some reason, I have a little bit more confidence in Waggett's pack. And I know that sounds a little weird, but again, this is a guy that they went out and traded for. Right, and this is a guy that kind of had some good outings last year. Like there was moments where I'm like, I can't believe back is actually kind of lighting it up right now. And it wasn't ever like for the longest periods of time, like you couldn't rely on him past like the fourth inning. But still, like he kind of showed some stuff. So I, I don't know. I think those are the two that you can kind of bank on more so than a Thornton and a Barucky.
0: I'm not sold myself on Ryan Barucky being fully healthy with his arm yeah. issues that he's got with this past year. So that's definitely gonna be something to monitor as we get closer to the beginning of spring training and as spring training goes along. My gut tells me that Trent Thornton is all but guaranteed uh, a spot in the rotation based on how he finished the season. And the fact he was the only one that made all of his starts pretty much whenever he went through and mm-hmm. it was every fifth day, you could count on Trent Thornton. I'd be surprised But if you're not counting Baruchy, I'm kind of leaning with you, Craig, just with Anthony Kaye. And not because we're good friends with Bobby Kaye. But (laughs) the fact that... (laughs) I just had to mention it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But he'd be the only lefty in the rotation. And we kind of touched on this a few episodes ago and with Bobby on the show, that if Baruchy isn't ready to go, you would imagine that being the only lefty in the rotation would give you a bit of an advantage over your competition. But the one guy that's kind of gone under the radar not talked about too much and maybe that's because he showed a little bit but not a whole lot with uh, TJ Zoid? I'm kind of intrigued to see what they do with TJ Zoid to start the year it tells me or something tells me he'll probably start the season in Buffalo uh, but mm. you never know if he goes out there and shoves in spring training I don't know how you can't give him a bit of an extended look uh, to start the season at the big league level is there anybody else that's kind of lingering around there that you guys see maybe being a complete dark horse and stealing a rotation spot? Because, hey, we saw Yenzi Diaz come up here and make a few appearances towards the end of the season. Could there be a big surprise in store for us in spring training? Uh,
1: I guess I'll take my Meyerly Guru hat and run with it for a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder how much Patrick Murphy actually comes back with that whole mechanics thing. After they screwed him up, be quote unquote being illegal in the AA level, all of a sudden doing a freaking uh, was it Carter Caps or <laughs> that was throwing it like doing a skip jump thing. I don't, I didn't see it. I don't know what the hell they were getting on Murphy about, but the fact that he was lights out before that, guys, and the arm was looking great, that really messed up his season, having to literally tear down his uh, mechanics and run back and do this all over with again. He was on the same path as Ryan Barucki back in the day before you know, some injuries and everything derailed them both a little bit and messed up, messed up the timing. So I wonder if these two make a reunion in spring training and kind of run with it a little bit. The other one, I really think Joey Murray is going to come in and watch that ridiculous spin rate play against some major league hitters this spring, and it's going to just look good, guys.
2: As long as we don't see any Thomas in like
1: <laughs> rotation, <laughs> then, like to me, it, just,
2: it doesn't really matter who it is. Like, I I remember actually watching um, Murphy on in, in the double-A level, and I thought he had some really good stuff. So there's someone that I can totally see like kind of making a name for himself. But I don't know that I'm necessarily confident that he's going to break through and claim a rotation spot. Maybe like midseason if things go wrong, which chances are like knowing the Blue Jays squad in the past like two years, it, it might. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's uh, you might see him inserted in that aspect, but in terms of starting the year, I just don't see it.
0: Well, the good thing is Thomas Pennone is listed in the bullpen on the depth chart. Yes, <laughs> I suppose I suppose state that honestly, I don't think he's easy. a
1: bad lefty to have in the pen. Guys, <laughs> what do you think?
0: No, neither do I I
1: don't think he's a not in the bad pen. Either. No, he's fine. And I'm it's also pretty. It's that second time through the rotation <laughs> through the lineup that really murders uh, him every time. <laughs>
0: It it gets terrible the second time through. It's not a lot of fun watching him go. But, yeah, the point one time through, absolutely throw (laughs) throw him out there, out of the bullpen. But the other guy that's kind of out there and not talked about, which makes me think that I think they're done with him as a starter, is Sean Reed Foley, which is unfortunate because I know that we all have had our moments of gushing about Sean Reed Foley. But you never know. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. I hope, guys, because we've done a lot of complaining, a lot of bitching, and everybody's getting to that point. I hope for some reason he just come out and absolutely surprise us and do sign a for Ryu or make a trade for a guy who, even if he's not considered an ace anymore, yes, I'm talking about David Price, he would be your ace in your rotation because he'd be miles better oh, yeah. than everybody else. So,
1: it'll I'm be ready to dump on that dumpster fire from the Red Sox if they're selling, man. Jump on that shit. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, It'll be, I, I, I mean, especially if you just want to
0: get rid of them. Like, you'd be like, hey, we know you're going to use this extra money to keep Mookie Betts around for longer. We're not giving you anything. We'll just take all that money off. Just do it.
1: Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. <laughs> that could be the difference.
0: One question, and I gave you guys some prep time for this, so I'm expecting some damn good answers here, all right? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so, last night, me and my buddy were out for uh, watching a Leaf game. We got some chicken wings. We had a few beers, and we were talking about pretty much what we were talking about tonight, all the frustrations.
1: Only that a few we beers with all, all those frustrations?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right, only a few. <laughs> Believe me, we tapped it. the wing. It was a Tuesday night, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the question I want to pose to the both of you, and I'm interested to gather your thoughts here, is the longer that this front office continues to be risk-averse, not making any major splashes, do you have any inclination or feel it could possibly be because they're not completely sold on this core being as good as everyone thinks they could be as soon as this year or even the year after or the year after that? Now, I ask that because you got so many other teams that are rebuilding that are going to start diving into the free agent market right around the same time you would if you don't act now. And these other teams like the White Sox have already shown, yeah, we're willing to spend the money and throw it around you feel, if they were completely sold on this core, that it's like, okay, it's time to push the chips all in and not miss out, and let's maximize this core as long as possible. So my question is, do you agree with that? Do you think I'm crazy? Or do you think they're maybe trying to wait one more season until some of that higher-end pitching talent catches up with the position player talent? Craig, you go first.
1: I think we talked about this at length pretty well on this show, but um, I don't know what your guys' opinions were where this "quote unquote" free agent pitching market was this year. Was there anybody really super super excited about about past Strasburg and Garrett Cole? Is it just no. me? I just feel like it was like okay, whatever, great. I as much as I'd love to see Ryu as a you know a Blue Jay, I, he's not exciting me. And I wonder how much of this whole thing is just them doing the same crap that they've been doing, that they'd rather go trade for talent than sign all these free agents. And I I just don't see anybody that was a real fit, and I think we talked about that a lot on the show, that was, oh, that guy's a Blue Jay, flat out, right? Or, go get me that guy, other than the fact that everybody's like just throw money at garrett cole i don't care what it is just give him a giant brick of money (laughs) and get him to come here Uh, that's the only guy i'm ready to run out and and just ride out into the sunset with this team with the fact that i know what's coming with this core doesn't make me want to run out and spend that f ton of money but the fact that you do need to spend some money is the whole encompassing issue. I think you guys will agree with me here. The fact that there was literally zero money on the books for this season, why not fucking spend that money? <laughs> so <laughs> give me somebody like Ryu, just the fact to show that this offseason was a success by getting somebody very talented into this organization and then come trade deadline the 2020 or free agency 2021 hopefully there is that guy that screams blue jays and you can open up the pocketbook for and just run with it but the fact that you're not doing anything right now just just seems like they're almost sitting around waiting to get fired
2: yeah that's i'm uh i'm hard pressed to get there i i i understand the logic and i understand why you know this would be theorized but i just can't get there because you know, if they weren't confident in this core, why did they drive so many people out of town? Like, why did they make aggressive pushes to, to end the the, uh, the the veteran regime that was here? With I know Troy Toulouski didn't really have it in him anymore, but, you know, they basically ran Donaldson out of town and sold him for a bill of goods, right? And they didn't have any sort of backup plan other than Drury for a little bit, and obviously... Uh, Guerrero was going to be the guy moving up and you know same thing with shortstop like no one thought that he was going to be the guy moving forward or you know obviously Bo was going to be the guy look at all these dominoes that fell um it seemed like they had all the confidence in the world that this young core was going to be ready um I just don't think they have it in them to know what to do at in this moment I don't like this is why, like, you look at the Cleveland Indians team that flourished after they left. It's because that new regime was a little bit more aggressive in terms of making a postseason push, like making a push to be, you know, a solid contender in the American League. I just don't know that this front office knows what it takes. I think they're, again, they're so stubborn in their ways that they think they can operate with this, like, pseudo-Tampa Bay Rays philosophy and be successful. And I don't know that you can do that. I don't know that you can, on the whole, continue to play this money ball approach and and do it successfully. Only a few teams can. So I just think that they just don't know what to do. And they're so far out of their reach and out of their league that, again, they've done all that they could for this team right now.
0: Definitely something to think about as you go forward. But he brought it to me last night. I'm like, that's that's interesting. I can see it at the same time I can't see it. It's just something to think about and debate as it continues to go along. I was just curious, and I'm glad you guys gave me your honest thoughts and opinions. That's why we have you all, all on all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, is there anything else that you want to touch on before we wrap things up tonight? There isn't really a whole lot of other things, I think, unless I'm missing something completely obvious that has happened in the last week or two. Uh, Craig, anything that you want to wrap up with before we uh, let our guest Adam Corsair plug away?
1: Oh, he'll get to his plugging and his shameless self-promoting in about five seconds, all right? So just (laughs) pop the brakes at him, all right? I found an interesting article that was on minorleaguebaseball.com today that was the quote-unquote Blue Jays organizational all-stars for the season. Did you guys happen to see this article?
0: No, I did not, no.
1: I'm just going to go through the names then, and I'm just going to make sure, you you know, give me out of these lists uh, that some of the guys that you would like that have actually stood out to you as far as this minor league season went. First off at catcher, we talk about the uh the little stud here, uh, pretty good on this show, Alejandro Kirk was the catcher of the minor league system. yorman Rodriguez was the Blue Jays first baseman, only at Vancouver 40 games guys and only a couple cup of coffee with the Lansing Lugnuts. Our right. Santiago Espinal is the second baseman of the season for the Blue Jays minor league system. That one doesn't shock me, guys. What about you? <clears throat> no, no. <laughs> the pick-up no, not at all. com before last season, right? They, they had to yeah, make themselves grand? sound right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Patrick Clevin was uh, the pick- mid pickups for the uh, early part of the season for the Buffalo Bisons. Played a little bit with the Indianapolis uh, team, along with being a runaway third baseman for the Bisons in their playoff push. And then, one guy here, I I don't think gets enough talk guys for the Lansing Lugnuts. Freaking hitting machine, Otto Lopez. Have you seen anything from this kid? Mm. No. He batted 3.24 in 108 games in the Midwest League. Oh, man. Oh, man. (laughs) Slightly ridiculous for a 21-year-old kid in a very talented League too, as far as all that goes, and he was actually batting three thirty eight at the All Star break. It goes on to say in this uh, organiza- in this uh, article, and then I think the obvious one here, Griffin Conine, only plays in eighty games because mm. of his suspension, his twenty two home runs, Socrates Burrito. Oh God, really? I had to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody see where he just it's ended up to? He's now a, yeah, yeah, a freaking Pittsburgh Pirate. Yeah, Gee, Pittsburgh, I too. wonder who really liked him. <laughs> yeah. We all we heard it was Shelly Duncan. Apparently it was somebody else. Um, then Reggie Pruitt with honorable mention to Cal Stevenson. And then on the Hill, they had uh, Nick Aguilar and Joey Murray as your main pitchers. And then Jackson Reese, who ended up winning the minor league relief pitcher of the year award. So, guys... I would be strangely okay with a lot of those names on that list come spring training getting an extra look. But a few of those are pretty far off too, so I think that goes to that depth that we were talking about a little bit earlier, fellas. Yeah,
0: for sure. For sure. A lot of those names be heard of throughout the course of the season on Blue Face Twitter.
1: Exciting. All right, Adam, now you can have your shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Alright, well first of all, thank you for having me on It's always good to talk Blue Jays with you guys Especially in this time of Need of serious venting and serious uh, Opportunity to get this off my chest So I appreciate you guys giving me the, the Time and the opportunity to do so But um, right now, as I mentioned At the top of the show, um, southofthesix.com And South of the Six in general The podcast has become exclusively Raptors That does not mean I am no longer A Blue Jays fan, that does not mean I no longer Love baseball, Blue Jays are still My first love and I will not Abandon them, so uh, that wink-wink, nudge-nudge, read between the lines was probably going to be a different podcast coming up covering the Blue Jays heading into the summer. But uh, as far as, you know, where you can find my venting of frustration on the Twittersphere, you can find it at South of the Six. And, of course, Six is spelled, the number six and the letters I-X. And once again, guys, thank you for having me on. It's been a blast.
0: Of course, buddy. Pleasure Anytime. as always. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> and gentlemen... We all know how to wrap up this episode. Let's all give us. Uh, let's go Blue Jays.
1: Let's go Blue Jays.
2: Let's go Blue Jays.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day.